Tyler Perry, who's my boss and writes and directs and produces the show I'm on and basically who I've worked with for the past six years, he would give me, you know, that feedback after we'd shoot and just say, I love how free you are. I love working with you. I just love how free you are. This is back into your story. <laughs> there we go, brother. Yes, sir. Shit, dude. How are you, how are you doing? We were recording on all the cameras. Okay, jeez, okay. yes. man. Jeez. Round two, baby. Round two. This is round two, right? Yes, sir. Damn. Yes, sir. I don't know. I was trying to think on the way over here when I was here. I imagine it was 2019. Um, 2020. Sure. Was it 2020? 2020, buddy. Holy cow. 2020, dude. Time's flying so freaking quick. It's insane. It is. It is. It's wild with uh, especially the crazy world we've been in and my world or my days just seem to pass by and i wonder where the heck the time's going which is not a good thing <laughs> i get that man i mean it's just kind of crazy because it's like already november 1st today oh gosh i don't understand i mean i feel like it's the older we get or the older i get uh the more time just kind of goes yeah every day is like a smaller percentage of your life so it uh it feels like a little goes a little bit quicker but, it does uh, all is well. I find myself like little bits of me looking forward to January 1st. I don't want another year to pass. I, I hate New Year's personally, but okay. um, you know, then you get that fresh start. So I, uh, I'm okay with it. Why? Why do you hate New Year's? Because I've always been nostalgic, you know, like we, when we would graduate from fifth grade and instead of being excited to go into middle school, I was kind of sad for the end of, a the end of something, but, uh, I don't know. I think I've just always been a softy when it comes to that kind of thing. <laughs> it's an end of an era, man. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a new beginning, but the kind of crazy thing is just another day. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what I got to tell myself. Last, uh, last new year's was not my favorite. I, I signed up for, or I, I got asked to host a party in Atlanta and, I uh, wasn't really sure what I was <laughs> doing. I had hosted a, a TV show one time for the tennis channel. So I it was like, all right, you know, like, get into this. I'm, be a personality, whatever. But, um, yeah, I found out very quickly that it's a skill knowing how to run the show and, and things were a little bit kind of, uh, out of whack at this particular event. Okay. I'm finding myself in front of a lot of people who paid a lot of money to be (laughs) at this, like it was like, a a runway show mixed with an art show and it was a little bit of a mess. So I'm looking forward to this new year's, um, doing it on my time, my yes. way, hanging with my friends, being chill. We'll see what happens. But yeah, man. Hosting anything is definitely a challenge. But when you talk about money and all of those things and having to put on an event, it's it's definitely a lot. You know, we just hosted a, a Halloween party and it's just like, it's like nonstop, nonstop yeah. putting everything together for like just such a quick period of time. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that spending, you know, New Year's, Christmas, whatever it is, you know, with the people that you care about most um, is always way more gratifying than, uh, you know, trying to put on this big thing for a whole bunch of people that you probably really don't care too much about. (laughs) I definitely, well, for sure, when when other people are paying, you feel a responsibility. (laughs) It's like why I, coming out of college, I I played college tennis and I was going to try to teach some tennis lessons as a kid to, to make some money on the side while I went for this whole acting thing. And I did one and I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm going to let somebody pay me 75 bucks for an hour when I, I really felt felt like I had no idea what I was doing. But, um, but yeah, man, I'd, I'd always rather just be with my people. I like the smaller intimate events or yeah. a house party or, um, I'm, I'm so over the, the bar, the clubs. Yes. I just, I don't need it anymore. I sometimes feel like I should be more into it and maybe I need to do better with my 
networking skills or whatever but it just if if it's not like this if it's yeah. not an intimate conversation i don't feel like i'm very good at it anyway so <laughs> um, so yeah man i'm always craving just uh yeah it's a, a good a good connected talk we yes had a couple of them you and i have yes been able to develop a little bit of a friendship on the side since for the first sure. time we met and oh I, for sure we spent fourth of july together this year which yeah we fun. did that was yeah. a blast man brocks you you got the uh the the host in you you were i think you spent about two hours building a grill for us <laughs> and then cooked meat for for the whole party so it was you're you're a good man man you're a leader thank you yeah. Th thank you i really appreciate that yeah i absolutely love cooking you know and uh cooking and for for people i don't I don't know why. I guess I've always uh, just just enjoyed it and uh, allows me to kind of like zone out. And, you know, what's kind of funny is, you know, a lot of people do look at me as, you know, like this outgoing and very talkative individual. Um, but to be honest, man, I, I internally, I'm not really that person. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Uh, I I obviously I love podcasts and I love deep intellectual conversations. Um, but, uh, you know, like a lot of like the fluff nonsensical conversations, I guess I, I don't like so much. And, totally. um, you know, like going to parties and, you know, bars and all that shit. I'm just like so over that stuff. And, you know, like, like you, like you just said, you know, maybe we could all be better at that, but, um, I don't know. Like it there's just something when you feel yourself, uh, the inauthenticity coming out when yeah. you feel yourself trying to trying to make the small talk. You know, I I've I've always considered myself more in, of an extrovert, but uh, the older I get, I'm like, am I an extrovert or do I just like talking to people that I like talking to? Like yep. when I'm one on one, again, like I feel really comfortable. Got you know, love to to get deep, but when there's a big group and I'm kind of jockeying for position, especially as an actor, and you're you know meeting. VIPs and all that. I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not very good at it. Yeah. I, I, it's like, I feel myself just watching myself and trying to say the right thing. Even today I was like, <laughs> dude, just talk, forget there's cameras, forget there's anybody around because, um, yeah, sometimes it can be tough and then having to censor yourself these days and, yeah. and say the right things. And, um, but people see through it. They, they, they want to, they want a real person. I, just talking about my story, I since I met you last or since we, we met, I did a really cool thing. At the end of 2020, I went and lived on a dive boat in the Bahamas for two oh, months. Holy crap. Yeah. So we uh my show, the Oval, I think I was just starting when we when we did our first podcast, uh show with Tyler Perry, and we were we shot seasons two and three in a bubble. So it was in 2020. Yep. Or season two was in 2020, and I was in the bubble environment and just kind of had a lot of time to think and I'm like, I gotta go for life more. I gotta, I gotta find, you know, find those dreams that I've, I've had since I was a kid and, and find a way to them. So I love sharks. I've always been a shark lover. I'm the kid who watches shark week every year. And, uh, and so it was, a, it's always been a dream of mine to kind of get on one of those research boats and just be in the middle of it. So I uh, got out of the, the bubble after we shot our season of the show and I'm like, um, one way or another, I'm going to find a way to get on shark week. It might be 10 years later. So I started, um, DMing a couple like shark scientists there Damn. on the discovery channel thinking it would take, take a little bit of time. I was actually, me and my, my girl were having a little bit of an argument. So I was, uh, at home on a Friday night, you know, in the dog house and I was watching <laughs> old, old reruns and I looked, uh, this guy, Riley Elliott was, um, he had an episode on an old rerun from shark week. So I went to his Instagram 
happened to click on his link and it was the last day that I could send in an application to be on the first Shark Week series reality, docu-reality series. Um, it ended up being called Shark Academy. <sighs> Anyways, so that was probably in August of 2020. And by November, I had been chosen to uh, be one of eight recruits and had no idea what I was getting myself into. Uh, first time really that I was going to do any kind of reality TV. And when I left, Ala, um, Ashley was like, my girlfriend was like, just just be you, just be authentic. That's all you got to do, and and the chips will fall. Because um, it was kind of a, a competition sort of thing to be the next great shark researcher and go on an expedition. <laughs> and for two months, man, I had some of the most ex incredible experiences of my life. But I never could forget the camera, man. I could never yeah. just like be me. So I'm stuck in the middle of, of the ocean on a boat that's rocking back and forth and um, just face to face with sharks. But uh, but it, it also kind of felt like a prison, man, because no way. It, yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't let go the act of being kind of who I thought I needed to be, you know, play the character. I'm the actor and I'm, you know, I'm used to being good at things. And then once they, the, the producers of a show like that sort of see who they want you to be, then they're pushing you and, and I aim to please. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a crazy experience, but, but by the end of it, I was face to face with a 15 foot tiger shark, no cage. What? literally, Yeah. At the bottom of the, I don't know if it's the Caribbean or the Atlantic or what even ocean I was in, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's that, that's one of those experiences. The further it gets away, the more grateful I am that I did it. You know, it's just yeah. like all the hard stuff, kind of the, the challenges float away and you just, you have it, you have those, those crazy experiences. And, it made made me more of a man. I came back and I realized just how easy I have it, how um, how I can float through each day and not really um, have to push myself all that much. Wow! And when I was on this boat, I'm and you get a little spoiled, right? As an actor, I'm on a TV show and they're bringing you your coffee and you're served, and and I I always feel a little uncomfortable with how well I am treated on set and then you get to to this environment shooting a, a reality show for shark week and <laughs> they were trying to break you down so i'm up at 6 a.m uh cleaning the decks of the boat and and diving free diving 30 feet down trying to screw a transceiver on while holding my breath while you know they're pitting you know putting you up with the 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 girl the who you have the most friction with. So it was, it was crazy, but it made me a better man. I definitely came back and felt like I was tougher for it. And it just reminded me, um, how all the good stuff is on the other side of discomfort and, and Oh, challenge. for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's called shark Academy. It's called shark Academy. Yeah. I think you can still go see it. Six episodes. Pull it on up real quick. On, I want to check it out. Um, Discovery plus. And, uh, yeah, it was the first ever series that they did. So it was six, one hour, one hour episodes the beginning we were with little baby sharks and then we're cage diving with bull sharks we caught a pregnant mama bull shark and we put a 10-year tracking tag in her no uh, way free diving with hammerheads I, I hope you can find some footage from it but it was uh it was absolutely there yeah oh the shoot yeah. there we go shark yeah. academy there, and so that's me in the second well first and second picture there go down yeah that that's uh, can you can you 
Wait, wait. Which one? Season? Well, that, that's episode two. That's my face right there. Oh, the literally. That's yeah, you right that's there. Me. That's me. Yeah. What happens when you click on it? Um, it'll probably bring it's it on up, Animal so. Planet, so they're gonna. Make oh, it. okay, they okay, yeah, yeah. a little paywall. Yeah. Damn, but that's crazy. So that's you right there, Shark Academy. Yeah. And how many? Six episodes, you said? Um. Yeah. They yeah. Did six episodes, and that looks like Prince Harry. Yeah, that's Riley right there. That's the 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 star of the show, and he was tough on me too because he was playing a personality as well. You know, they wanted him for to sure. Be the, the tough guy, and so every chance he got, he would rip me a new one, and you know get people laughing at me and, and making me look like the, you know, the stuck up back. <laughs> so wait, wait, you're literally on this boat for two months straight, nonstop. Yeah. We, we quarantined in Miami in a hotel room. I spent one week in a hotel room, um, literally without leaving. And then they brought us, I thought I would be in an apartment, right? So I thought we'd shoot all day and then I'd have my own little condo to go back to. And the first thing they did, they put us on a dinghy and they brought us out to this 100-foot dive boat where uh, I slept in a room uh, half the size of the room we're in now uh, with three other adult males. So we were in bunk beds. My bed is just like a little single. And yeah, that was the start of it. So I think that was like November 1st and we finished December 17th. Wow. 2020. Did you have any connection to like the outside world? Could you call home or anything like that? Very little. We weren't supposed to... Um, but you know we could we could send a text out here and there. There wasn't very good. The connection was pretty crappy, anyways. But the, one of the the most the craziest experiences. So Thanksgiving came around, and I'm like, God, they're gonna for sure give us a day off. We're gonna get a good meal and just be able to relax. And um, yeah, so Thanksgiving morning comes. They're like, everybody out on the deck. All right, you have 30 seconds. As a shark researcher, you need to know how to uh, survive a shipwreck. So we're putting you on a deserted island, <laughs> and you have to survive. You have five items from this table. You know, so we take the the, the spear and the, the knife and the machete. Anyways, uh, we get on this island, and I'm thinking, all right, they'll put us here for five, six hours, and, and then we'll... Uh, We'll get to go and get comfy on Thanksgiving evening and have a dinner. And we were there for four days and three nights, sleeping under the stars. Um, Literally, I had five sips of water the entire time. Um, We had to catch our own food, so we spearfished and and got gray snapper. We got conks and busted them open, had to start our own fire. This was one where I kind of had a good moment. Um, so there's trash all up, up, up and down the beach, which is sad. Cause this is literally like yeah. a deserted Island, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Um, but you go scavenge and you find all sorts of cool stuff. So I found this aerosol can rusted and, and I'm like this, this could be good. So the team was trying to start a fire with the Flint and it wasn't working. And I'm like, let me, let me get in here and shot the aerosol, did a, you know, scrape the Flint and boom, we had a fire. So that was, no like, way. That, that was a little victory that felt cool. Um, but the worst part of that was, well, there's two really, really tough parts. It was one, we had no idea how long we were going to be there. Yeah. So they just put us there and they're like, all right, you know, go for it. And I realized that just living in the un, unknowing is tough. Um, but, um, uh, oh, the, the no seams, right? So we had some wind going when we first got there and the bugs weren't bad, but as soon as the wind died down, you had, you were, we were just in an infestation of little tiny flies and they eat you alive. I was covered. Like I had long pants and a long shirt on, 
but there's nothing you could do. No seams? Yeah, I, like little sand. Can sand, we look at that? Yeah, I, want, I want to see what a no seam is. Yeah, you you can't see them. They just it's like a it's like a fly. Yeah, they're little tiny like essentially microscopic flies mixed with the sand flies, and no matter what, there was you know unless you were in the water or you got some wind, these things are just eating you alive. Let me check this out. Hold so, on. Yeah. Go go back to the Wikipedia thing. I want to read about it real quick. All right, it's uh, uh, what, how is he pronounced that? Cura. Yeah, I don't know if there's an actual okay. name. Okay, so there you go. Some species of noceums can bite, similar to mosquitoes. Uh, it's the females that cause the bites. Noceum bites look like clusters of little red dots on your skin. While they can stay small, they often swell, enlarging to one or two inches in diameter, and can become painful and tender. Yeah. One Holy of the, shit! So one of the guys, Austin, who became like my closest confident confidant on the show. Um, we had one of those, you know, second day in top of the boat talks where we were, you know, talking about life and, and death and everything in between. And, you know, essentially two grown men on the verge of tears. But anyways, it's funny how those moments bring you together anyway. So Austin and I became very close, but he had quite a reaction to these no So every inch of his legs were just like red dots, like, and, and they scar up. So Everybody took it, uh, it affects everybody a little bit differently, but it was gnarly, man. It, it, it broke me. I, that was my one moment where I, I kind of had a, a moment. I was worried. I was like, God, dude, this, this, this could end me. Um, there was a, a girl, she was a Colombian girl and she had a little bit of, a lot of spice, right? <laughs> and, um, and she would kind of micromanage and tell you what to do but not always contributing right so there was one night I couldn't sleep while we were on this island and I was so I was the fire dude I just went like probably 15 trips throughout the middle of the night to go get firewood keep us warm kind of kept the flies away and uh the next morning she was trying to kind of take credit for it and and then she's like yeah Brad get get the get the firewood we were trying to make a signal fire anything we could think of to let you know hopefully get these producers to get us off the island um anyways and i lost it and i i find what did i say i was like you do nothing Ugh. you have contributed nothing to this group and like my eye my crazy eyes came <laughs> like you know the ones that my my family only sees when i yeah when i have that crazy moment and i'm like oh my god so it turned out the way they edited it um was pretty pretty fair uh so i i it definitely wasn't my proudest moment but yeah uh, I, I think it, it at least the audience probably saw that there was reason why I may have kind of lost my mind a little bit. But, uh, you know, we 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 made amends and, and all was well. But, uh, yeah, after after a long time of not eating and not going to the bathroom because, uh, you know, you're dehydrated and nothing's coming out, even if it has to come out and you're it was they don't give you any water or anything. We, we went with like a I don't know two gallon jug or something for the eight of us. So we, we just had to, we had to make that manage. Um, yeah, we had to divvy it up, but that was part of the, we, what, what I started to realize throughout the days was there were certain tasks that we had to accomplish and they had to get the shot. And until we accomplished that, they weren't letting us off the Island. So we had to find water. How the heck did I'm you do that? Still not sure if it was planted or not, you, uh, you, you wonder about these things, but I searched all over that Island. I was climbing trees and in the middle of the Island, there was like, um, a little pond and I didn't have a great feeling about it because the mangroves were surrounding it. Mangroves are plants. One of the only plants that can grow in salt water. 
anyway, so like we'd go on these epic hikes and for three hours and you're just sweating and, uh, and you know, to find salt water. Eventually one of the scouting groups, uh, found a little pit and it's like a little curious. It's like, why on the middle of this Island would there be one hole where there's fresh water? But, uh, so I think, <laughs> I think it was a, I think it was planned, but it was cool because after that we then had to, to filter it. Right. So I learned some really cool uh tasks we 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 found some like um a gallon a milk cartridge or an old gallon of milk whatever um plastic on the beach and so we had that upside down put like some cloth over the end and then we got charcoal from the fire sand pine needles another layer of sand and basically created our own filter so i actually took some things from that experience that I no feel like I could, if, if I had to survive um, I'd be way more likely to be able to so yeah it made me tougher again it was a it was an amazing experience and as soon as we got, I was pissed at, at the guy Riley the the guy who was the host of the show I'm like you know a real leader would be out here with us my grandfather was a general and he led his troops and he never left them and and so he's got the feed back on the boat and he's kind of brings up these moments <laughs> But uh, as pissed as I was, as soon as you get back on that boat and you've accomplished that mission, yeah. Um, first of all, it's emotional because you're like so stressed and you're holding so much in and trying to keep it together and you're being filmed for a TV show um, and you're weak. And so as soon as we sat and I actually talked to him on camera for the on-the-fly interview, um, I was grateful for it. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I get it now. You know, I see why you have to test us and kind of reminds me why you know um the navy seals have to go through what is it buds or, yeah, buds. or um, yep. these these tough trainings because once you get into a tough situation life or death especially if it's real you're going to be grateful that you had to suffer to you know prove to yourself you could do 100 percent. So. wow that's incredible man like that like going through that experience um with all of its ups and downs it, it definitely had to feel very rewarding at the end right yeah. to even just have that experience in general right yeah um yeah it was rewarding that i went out on a limb and sent in a, a videotape for an unpaid job by the way like I'm no way i get overpaid as an actor i must admit you know sometimes i feel bad i'm like i this is fun <laughs> i you know i i don't deserve this um but yeah we didn't get paid a dime and gave two months of my life and put myself out there you know obviously say the wrong thing and get yourself in trouble or whatever um so yeah i was proud to to take the risk to begin with and and then just to kind of overcome all these things it it was it was really rewarding for sure absolutely the only thing that i would change if i could do it all again would be to somehow just be me more me yeah not edit myself not sit there and it's weird. I don't get nervous to talk to anybody, but when Riley was around, the guy who's judging the competition, I just would tense up and I didn't know what to say. And before I would say anything, I'm kind of like, Oh, is, is this the right thing? And it just sucks. And people can feel it too. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's like the, the strange thing about, um, being on camera, especially these reality based TV shows, uh, where it's not who you truly are. Right. I mean, having someone follow you around 24 seven with a camera, mm-hmm. that is not normal. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then having to, especially in this day and age, censor yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I could definitely see how it's, it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah. Right. 
Um, how anyone does it, 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 it blows my mind. Um, but you know, I, I, I totally can understand why it's a very weird feeling, Yeah, you know, one going the, through that. One of the only other times that I feel that there's a few, but one in, you know, specifically is in the casting room when you're auditioning for, for any kind of acting job. And it's crazy because when I'm on set, I never feel more free. Once I've been chosen for a job, yeah. Um, I probably talked to you about this the last time I was here, but Tyler Perry, who's my boss and writes and directs and produces the show I'm on, and basically who I've worked with for the past six years, he would give me you know that feedback after we'd shoot and just say, I love how free you are. I love working with you. I just love how free you are, um, which is amazing, but... It takes, I guess, the the initial validation for yeah. me to get to a point. And also, there's no other choice. Um, once you're on the job, once you're on set, it's like, you better go for it. You better give it all you have. And then that's the best of me. The best version of me comes out. Um, but when I'm in a casting room, which doesn't really exist anymore. Um, Why is I that? Just, Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, but. no. So everything used to be you'd go into a casting office, run around L.A. and and sit in front of one or two people who may or may not even be looking at you while they eat their lunch and you're <laughs> supposedly auditioning after you put hours into uh, the process. But since COVID, everything's a self-tape now. Okay. So every, every one of my auditions for the past couple of years, you're at home in your little home studio, you know, begging your girlfriend to read lines with you or, or searching around for anybody to help you out. And, and then you, you send that tape in. So it's changed the experience a lot. Um, even then though, even without being in the room with casting, I still find myself, um, you know, in that kind of self edit, self judgment mode, and then you're not getting any feedback. So you, you sort of wonder like what's going right, what's going wrong. Because as an actor, you might act, you know audition a hundred times, and if you get two, three, four of those jobs, you're in, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, but for when, sure, <laughs> when when you go a whole year and you've done fifty auditions and you haven't got one, you lose sight of the numbers game, and you just start to question yourself. Yeah, um, yeah, and so that's my goal as an actor. Is I just had this thought yesterday. I was preparing for an audition. I shot this morning. And I wrote a note to myself. I, I made it as my wallpaper on my phone. And it was like, do every audition as if it was a scene in the oval and give it the full commitment that you would. So point being is right or wrong, if I'm making the choices that casting wants to see or the writer or director wants to see, um, it doesn't really matter because if I don't go full commitment, then it's not going to work anyways. Yeah. Then it's like that aut authenticity thing again that we're talking about, right? So... You might as well give them your take, be confident, go all out. And if, if they, if it's not right, it's not right. Cool. You know, you, it's, they got to find the, that perfect uh, spot for you. And then once you get it and you're on, you know, you have your opportunity, you're on set, then, then the world is your oyster. So. Oh, a hundred percent. One thing, uh, sorry, off topic real quick. I, we, we're, we're getting new chairs for sure. And I see you keep on adjusting yourself. Uh, I do apologize <laughs> about that. We were no, just talking good, about good. that uh, the other day. I'm, pushing my ass like all the way to the back Here we go right, right. Uh, I'm, I'm just a fidgety dude no i know but like it's just something that i've noticed recently is yeah. everyone's like you know because it's not the most comfortable chair yeah. so i do apologize um do you think you know uh, 
the change because of the, you know, because of COVID and the pandemic and everything like that, especially in your industry, um, do you think self-taping is ever going to go back? Because like that just seems like a, I don't know, that just seems like weird. It's kind of weird that there's, you know, gatekeepers and it's not always based off of like who's the best person, yeah. right? Um, it's not like a meritocracy, but what do you think it'll stay this way or ever go back to the way it was? Yeah, I've had a couple conversations with casting and I, they it sounded like they were going to try to, you know, maybe some of the bigger roles or some of the, you know, the series leads or leads of movies or whatever. Um, but in my experience so far, other than a couple commercial auditions, which are few and far between for me now, um, it's all been from home. So I think it also has given casting directors um, a little bit of ability to be lazy. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I, you know, who knows if they're watching all these tapes that come in. Yeah. I, I think there might be a quota, like they have to, maybe a union thing where they have to audition a certain amount of people. So then you wonder, you're like, are they just receiving my tape because they have to receive a certain amount of auditions, but they already have their guy, which happens all the time. I mean, I've been in that situation where I had a role and I heard about friends who were auditioning for the role that I had already basically been promised from the production, you know, or from the people making the calls. So yeah, definitely. Um, Damn, man. Yeah. So wow. Um, when you gear up for a self tape or or just getting ready for a role or you know the the latest episode of the Oval, what is your creative process like? Like preparing for for this? Yeah. I mean, I think that's an ever-evolving thing. Um, well, the Oval is, is a unique acting job because we shoot at light speed. So, what does that mean? <laughs> Tyler Perry, specifically, um, is known to shoot really fast. So my first show with him, we did like 45 pages a day, which was already insane, what? right? Normal productions, five to seven maybe. Um, and with the Oval, we've gotten to 110 so we literally, we literally shoot a primetime TV show with millions of viewers and we get great numbers and we've shot, we're in our fourth season right now. I don't know what, you know, we, we do 22 episode seasons. We shot the past couple of seasons of 22 episodes in eight days of shooting. Wait, what? Eight. So you go do basically like a play. You got three cameras, if not more at all times. Usually I might say my lines one and a half times you know but typically i'm prepared to go and do my scene once so you're you know so it, it it's really unique like you have to you get the scripts maybe i don't know three weeks ahead of time um if you're lucky and i'm just i'm at a coffee shop or at home or wherever i gotta mix it up and and you gotta drill the lines which is also kind of a trap because, you know, a lot of acting teachers are not going to tell you to go and just memorize first. You can get into line reads and you can kind of be more performative rather than connecting with the material, right? You know, so um, it's really unique. So my my most of my acting training that I've done here is with a, a coach named Leslie Kahn in, in Los Angeles. And her big thing is it's the thought behind the line. Okay. So, uh, a couple little anecdotal type things. I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, she'll say like on a typical page of a script, if you shrink all the words and like take all the spaces away, 
they're about 92% of the page is white space. So your job as an actor is to fill the white space, which I really love because that kind of opens up that whole freedom thing, you know, and, and just realizing like, it's not all about the words on the page. It's, it's just giving it life, filling it up with, with, with uh, thoughts and, and subtext and, you know, other people, other coaches might call it intention or, or whatever. Um, so point is every line of the script, um, I'll go in for every piece of punctuation. I'm finding the thought behind that line. So the line might be, I love you. Right. But the thought might be, I hate you. <laughs> so she would sometimes when you're practicing, it might be like, you say it's called thoughts out loud. So I hate you. I hate you. I love you. And that's kind of helping you to see the juice behind that line. Because a lot of what we say as humans is, yeah. is it, you're not, it's not the meaning of the words always. Right. So I don't know if I'm doing justice on kind of describing that process, but the point is to, to get away from just playing the meaning of the lines, um, which can be a big trap. I'm always trying to figure out what, the character is thinking behind the line that they're saying. Is it hard to memorize all of this in such a short period of time? Cause I, I, yeah. I can barely remember what the fuck I did yesterday. Yeah. I, and I find myself like questioning my memory more and more. Like people, I feel like remember things so much better than I do. So it definitely is like a weird thing that I can remember these lines somehow you put in the work like it's life or death right of course you don't do it uh, you're gonna you're gonna fail so somehow you figure it out but um yeah there's you you go without much sleep and so there's some days where I was on set till midnight and then had 50 pages the next day so I was up till 2 30 and then calling my dang dad to run lines at 7 30 in the morning until I get on set and Somehow it always works out, man. Wait a minute. Within a day's period of time, you can memorize over 50 pages worth of work. Obviously, it's not all 50 pages of you, but... No, I'm saying, like, legitimately, I've had days where my character shot in one day 50 pages of dialogue. Now, again, I had that for three weeks leading up. Yeah, but um, still. But yeah, it's... I don't know. I don't know how it works, man. Like, I would, I would go shoot a scene and then have a costume change. We have, like, five minutes to change outfits and and come back on and i have a a reader who they they provide readers which is really nice just people basically like interns who are there if you need to run lines so i'm putting on my tie and getting mic'd up and like running the scene that i'm about to go do um and hanging on by a thread man it's like production is like a you know bailing water from a sinking ship you're just trying to get through so i look forward to when i'm on a you know, show and I've done a lot of other things where you, it's more traditional. Um, but this is like, it's like overloading in the gym, right? You put 225 pounds on the bar and uh, you, you do a negative and then you throw 138.5 on and it feels light. So I feel like working with Tyler Perry, it's sort of like that. Like <laughs> you, you just get challenged to like the furthest degree, you do the best you can. Sometimes I watch a scene and I'm like, Ooh, wish I could have had that one over again. Um, but then when you go and you have five to seven takes with a, a different director, if not more, sometimes, um, it, it makes you grateful and, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. like everything you get uncomfortable, you push yourself to a limit and then you get a little bit stronger. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for the next show someday, um, where we can be a little more precious. You know, I respect everything that Tyler's done and he, he's done it because it was his way to create 
um, massive amounts of content. Yeah. Build his studio, which is in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's absolutely incredible. It's like 350 acres on an old military base. Um, but uh, that actually leads me to a movie that I did with Tyler last year, which I wanted to come and talk wow. to you, um, called A Jazz Man's Blues. Okay. So, Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah. So working on season, I believe, three of The Oval, um, I had like... 12 episodes of material in one day because my character got <laughs> locked in a jail cell. Okay. Um, and, and I was feeling a little unsure about it and, and got through it anyways. And when I walked out from, from this like monster session, Tyler pulled me aside and he's like, Hey, you, you got time to read a script. I'm, I'm like, no, <laughs> I, no, we're cause we're doing this crazy thing. You know, we're eight days of shooting the whole thing. But of course I said, yes. Um, so I went back to my my room and read the whole thing, and it was incredible. It was the script for A Jazz Man's Blues, which was Tyler's first screenplay he ever wrote wow. about 27 years ago. And, um, and so uh, that led to an audition. But anyway, so something he saw in that scene work I did on The Oval, which I was unsure about, he, he saw like, oh, I can see, you know, this character, Sheriff Jackson um, in Brad. So we, I guess this was, yeah, early spring of 2021, we finished shooting, didn't hear anything for a few days, and I was just like, you know, desperate to be a part of this, but I also didn't want to look desperate, Yeah. Um, which later on down, I'm, I'm all over the place, but hopefully it all makes sense to people listening, but later on down the line, Tyler was like, man, I really wanted you to tell me, like, if you love it, I wanted to hear you say, I want this role, like, please give me the role, or really? let, me, let me do it. But I was hesitant to do that because yeah. I didn't want to look, you know, desperate or, or put any pressure on him. I wanted him to choose me because he wanted me. So it was interesting to hear that he actually wanted to, to hear my excitement. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, just something to take with myself or with me in the future. I um, got that. Put myself on tape. And a couple days later, I got a text from him and he said, um, your tape was perfect. There's an offer coming. And I was just like oh my God, like I knew this one was going to be special. Um, Definitely my favorite film that I've been a part of, probably my favorite, any, you know, acting experience that I've been a a part of so far. Um, Go check it out on Netflix. We were number two movie on Netflix a couple weeks ago. Wow. Um, I don't know. I think we premiered on maybe September 11th. I'm I'm losing my my days here. But um, yeah, so that shot in the summer of 2021, we were like all throughout Georgia and in, in kind of the backwoods of Georgia in Savannah and then some at his studio. Um, but we shot that one way more like a traditional yeah. movie. So this was kind of the first thing that I'm aware of where Tyler slowed down and he was going to just give everything a bit more t- attention. Um, our, I think it was our hair team or the makeup team. I think it was the hair team like a week before had just won an Oscar um, for a film the year before our, our DP shot a film that I loved called short term 12 back in 2012. Brett Pollock is his name. Um, so there were all these pieces of the movie coming together that I was like, wow, I'm, I'm about to be a part of something that's really special here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it was, it was really awesome. I yet again, play a white racist uh, <laughs> in the 19, I might, my character is set in the 1940s. Um, I'm pretty much 
always play a scumbag these days. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but <laughs> Just yeah, no, hey, you know. no, no, no. But what's the movie about? So, yeah, I, I gotta be better at, at, at the whole logline thing. But basically, um, it's a a forbidden love story, um, and in, there's a bit of a, a mystery involved. But I'll leave that part out. But the point is. Back in the 40s in the South, there's a black couple who the girl is uh, very light-skinned. Yeah. And she passes for white, which I had never really heard about before. Um, so it's kind of like just a new angle of, of, of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, um, so she's in a forbidden, or she, she falls in love with my brother, who's the mayor of the town, and I'm the sheriff. And, and she and her, um, love from, from the past, who's a black, black man, um, have to kind of find a way to, to hide, hide the fact that they're, you know, have something going on from, from us. So God, that was the worst description of, no, but I got it. I got it. Point is, you can't, uh, we're, we're the well-to-do white family in the town and she is, is, uh, posing as a, a white girl. And she's meanwhile having a secret relationship from her teenage flame. Um, and yeah, it's really, really cool. How did you, uh, you know, because obviously, um, I'll get that ready for you. All right. Uh, obviously, you're not really a white racist, um, and this is not who you are. You're a warm, gentle, you know, great <laughs> human being, right? But to dive into something like that, that's you know, a very dark place, mm-hmm. right? How do, how does one even prepare for something like that? And probably yeah. some of the lines that you had to say and things are just so unnatural. <sighs> yeah. So when I have done interviews before and had to kind of think about this because when you're doing your process, you don't really, I don't know. You you don't always have perspective on how you're going about it, but I would say like with any character, you have to somehow empathize um, with that character. All right. I'm going to try my best at this. I'm a little inexperienced. Oh, no worries. Just don't inhale. I like to inhale. Well, that's my problem. Every time I've ever smoked you a might, cigar, you might I get a little nauseous yeah, if you yeah, inhale. I might be puking. Right. Yeah, yeah. You want one, old man? I'm all right. All right. Uh, continue. All right. So, um, sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> my mom, like, she, she's, she's, she's such a sweetie. But like, if I, you know, I wasn't allowed to say butt growing up. I had to say hiney. Hiney. Or. Sounds you know, worse. I had to say tinkle. I couldn't say piss. <laughs> so, you know. Sorry, mom. So yeah. So sorry, mom, for the cigar. But yes. you know, we're doing guy stuff here. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, okay. So yeah, you have to somehow empathize. So there's no way I could like actually like get down with what this character's thinking. But I think that's also where you kind of just like use the thoughts uh, again. So it's like, um. Maybe you relate it to something else, or or you you find um, this angry, evil thought, and then just deliver the line with with that. Um, it, it's not easy, you know. Um, it, it actually was funny because after one of the days of filming, I got a call from Tyler, and he was like, you know, kind of feeling me out, and I wasn't sure like what he was trying to get out of me. Um, but he was like, 
totally inhaled. I know. Yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. He's like, I know, <laughs> I know you're, you I know this isn't you. You're a good guy. Um, I need that evil. I need it to, I need you to, to bring that darkness. Um, so I guess he thought maybe he was like, I love what you're doing. You know, it was all love, but then also just like kind of giving me that permission to go dark, you know, yeah. and get nasty. Um, which was cool. I mean, it was cool to, to have a director who cared enough to like, you know, make that call after 14 hours on set and, and, and everybody's just tired. And yet he still, um, wanted to talk to his actor and, and make sure I felt safe and, and, um, yeah. So I think you just, uh, you just let yourself lean in and, and if you have to substitute it for something else you got to substitute it for something else yeah. um, but we all have a dark side man i mean we yes, all we have the, we have anger we have we have i don't want to i mean i'm not a hateful guy but there's hate in uh for things inside of, of me right so like um it's within all of us yeah so all I, of us i think i think once you just give yourself permission to like take away the safety net um the editing then yeah. then you can kind of just play make believe and um find peace with it because you're telling helping to tell a story that might educate people and make us all a little bit better of course um so yeah it was it's cool like ever since 2016 like i said with tyler i've put, done four projects with him and i've been a total scumbag whether a misogynist racist wife beater whatever um and there was a couple times that the early on i got tweets you know, you homophobe, you, you know, you racist, you this and that. And that was like, actually, that was one time where I was like, this person actually is like associating me with my character. Um, but the more time that goes on, um, people are clear to say, uh, I hate you so much. You're doing a great job. <laughs> I'll, I'll see people on the street and the, the few times I get recognized or whatever, like, Oh my God, I hate you so much. You're a piece of shit. You're doing awesome. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, so, yes, yes, so yes. Fun. I had a, I had a guy, his name's Matt Battaglia. Um, he's an actor. He was you, a lot of you would probably recognize him if you looked him up. Um, you want to pull him up real quick? Matt Battaglia? Battaglia. Battaglia. He, he played Battaglia. The, the president in my first show with Tyler, Too Close to Home. I think he was on Friends. He was like the hot fireman on Friends. Oh, time. oh, okay. Let me see. Let me see. People let me see. know him. Yeah, yeah. So um, Matt Battaglia. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember him. Yeah. He, uh, uh, yep. I remember him uh, in Friends for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, he's done a ton of stuff. There we go. What a handsome man. I think that's how uh, I would remember him best. So he uh, shout out to Matt. Yeah, he he was way more experienced than me, and he came. He talked to me uh, after we finished our second season of that show, and he's like, "Man, if I got to play one of these, you know, dark bad guy characters, antagonists, I would just lean as far in as I could. I would be doing lines of coke, and I'd be slapping the girls and whatever he said. Yeah, but he of was course. Basically, just like have fun with it. Yes, go for it because I still found myself earlier on and this was like the first time I'd played like a, a character who had actually had an arc a storyline um kind of wanting to find the angle where I could somehow some way be the hero someday. <laughs> um and and that's gone so with my current character Kyle on the oval you know I'm I'm just uh totally leaning into the the scumbag aspects and it's fun man and and I think people appreciate it and 
and why not? You know, go for it. We're playing make believe. Of course, so I'm not going to be this guy in real life. And and I think I've got my body count is probably up to I don't know fifteen or twenty people. I get to shoot ARs <laughs> and have you know car flips, and I've blown up cars and um, had a, you know at least one good fist fight every season, which is one of my favorite things to do. Just the choreography. So to do a choreography, yeah, how does that even happen? Scene yeah. in in light speed um is even is even crazier you know because um ultimately i've ended up i think i have my they have a stunt person there for you and they teach you the the choreography um but i have like a lot of pride that i want to i want to like pull off as much of it as i can and so i think in every scene fights you know big fight scene i've had so far in the oval ultimately i've my stunt double was like on the side and he's like, sweet. I just got paid to yeah, like for not have to get my ass kicked today. And <laughs> I got to do it all. Um, but yeah, we have a great stunt coordinator, Jan drawn. Um, so you just find what a great name. Yeah. Jan yeah, drawn. Yeah, I think he's like, he's like, uh, you know, our Jean-Claude Van Damme, maybe he's from Belgium or something. Um, but a total badass, like, yeah. you know, military guy and just one of those dudes you, like, you tease and you push him and he's just a rock. Like, he, he's not, like, this huge dude, but he's just hard, you know? Like, just, just, and he'll mess with you and give you a gut punch and you're like, oh, my God. Like, I thought he was just tapping me and I'm down on the ground, so. So, wait, they actually really hit you? Yeah, well, okay, so that, that this is just messing around. He's just like a, he's just that asshole who's going to, you know, give you a clock you when you're not looking, you know, just to mess around. But yes, like when we do our fight scenes, there's a good bit of physicality. Like they'll, they'll give you body armor. So, um, body armor. There's been a time, actually, I didn't wear it, but I had to kick a guy in the stomach. And so they gave him like a plate of, you know, Kevlar or whatever. Okay. So you can kind of give it a little bit more, um, and it's it's it makes me realize if I was in a real fight, you feel a little less than you think until you know afterwards you're a little sore, but in the moment your adrenaline's going and you're just going for it. So, you know, you're not going to give like full punches in the face. I made that mistake once, and 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 uh, <laughs> no way. I told the girl her name's oh, it was a girl. Yeah, I told <gasps> Sierra it was in season one of the Oval, and she was like was going to backhand me. You know, I'm I'm I. Uh, I'm having an affair with her husband, believe it or not, right? Oh, and really? Yes. Okay. Yes, I went there, so that was a <laughs> scary, scary new thing. Um, anyways, I gave her permission. I was like, "You just, just you know, give me a, give me a real slap." And I think she was even wearing like a wedding ring, and she rocked me. And uh, I learned that there's a reason why you, uh, you, you know, you do the two inches away from the face, and you sell it with the reaction. So that's the big thing with fights. Is like the most important thing is. Um, one like you know, our big roundhouse punch. It's not about good form. It's just making it look big and hard and scary and the grunts and um and then the big biggest part is the reaction. So if you're gonna punch me, I'm the one who has to sell it. I gotta you know really throw my head, and that's where a lot of the the good stuff comes from. So wow. So wait, when someone's actually like, so if like you're getting punched in the face, right? Does it? Do you even like? connect with the person or is it you just get really close and then the person moves out of the way yeah so typically there's not really much like on a face punch there's not going to be a lot of physical connection okay. um, you know if i'm if, if we're 
got a sequence in its body, body, face, or whatever. I'm going to tap him, but you're not going to go full in. Um, but it's all camera angles, so I don't even know, like, how to set it up. But if they, if you basically, if you put the camera in the right spot and you kind of screen the the fist so they can't actually see it, then you can be, you can be five inches away from somebody's face. And as long as the camera's in the right position, you got the right angles, and the person sells it with their reaction, then you're good to go. Oh, wow. So, I mean, um, being a little inexperienced, a lot of my fight scenes are with an actor. His name's Bill Barrett. Uh, he, he plays Max on the show, and, and we're both kind of new to it, and so we're, you know, all, like, over, you know, overhyped, and, and so we've gotten a little aggressive. I actually accidentally gave him an elbow, like, in rehearsal, like, a real elbow in the face. Um, yeah. And he had a big scratch on his face. So, so the, it's a learning curve. Um, and there, you see why things are done the way they are. Yeah. But um, yeah, you learn pretty quickly if they offer you knee pads or elbow pads, you take them. Wait, um, elbow pads. How do they I mean, cover that? I'm wear a suit. So, I mean, it depends, okay. you know, if you're, if you, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have the clothes to cover it up, then you might be in trouble. But um yeah, the first stunt I ever did was on a Lifetime movie, I don't know, 12 years ago. And I was in the bathroom getting beat up. I was uh, picking up a, a female, uh, a, a high school hooker. Okay, right? a like high a school hooker. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm the John and in the John. And anyways, her pimp comes up and he beats me up. And, and it was one of my first movie roles. And uh, I wanted to be tough. And they're like, you want a hit pad? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. And went down and just, you know... Yeah, you got rocked. Yeah, you get rocked, and you're trying to be tough, and then you don't want to ask afterwards, uh, "Can I? Can I get the pads?" Um, but that was another experience where you learn quickly, like take the pads, man. Don't be tough. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, we let our pride and our ego get the best of us, right? Yeah, like it's gonna make it better somehow. Oh, they're gonna think I'm tough and 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 a you know better actor because I didn't take the knee pads. It's like no, take the knee pads so the guy can jack you as hard as he wants. And it doesn't matter, you know. Does that so, does the knee pads or the the protectant does that really help out a lot? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, you can take. Yeah, I mean, with the body armor and the knee pads and and all that, and especially like I said, the adrenaline stuff. May may you be sore potentially or get a bruise? Yeah, sure. But you can you could pretty much go all out and yeah. be okay. So again, face shots, that's not, you know, you're not going to do that. No, definitely um, not. But yeah, with, with, with the padding and, and holding back a little bit, you can, you can give it a pretty good, um, a good, a good, a good punch. Yeah. Wow. That's so, incredible. It's man. fun, man. It's yeah, definitely. Definitely. Where do you see this all going? Like five, 10 years from now, like, do you want to continue to do TV? Do you, want to branch off more into film especially having this latest experience uh you know having a movie come out on netflix correct i think you know uh, the dream of all dreams yeah. would be the movie star you know so like if i could have three movies a year and you're prepping a role for a month or two and shooting for a couple months i mean some of these big big deal movies um you know big uh like blockbusters might shoot for six months but you know, if you could go from one great project to another and do movies, that'd be the dream, right? And getting yeah. to see myself in a theater on the big screen for the first time was, was a lot of fun. But I've always been attracted to TV because um, I like to show up to work. Yeah. Um, and you want something consistent. So it changes. Like, as I've built a career, 
um, some of your goals change, like some of the projects that I used to say, I'll, I'll pay to be a part of it. Now you're like, no, you know, I got quotes now, you know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you start to, you don't want to let your ego get out of control, but you also see how there is a career. There is like, you have to, um, you know, you have to let your reps do their job and, and you have to build your worth and all that. So, um, that would be my biggest thing right now. Like frustration with, the show that I'm on is that we shoot so quick. So it's great because I get paid per episode. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if I do it in six months or six days, but I find my biggest challenge in life right now is the day to day when I don't have somewhere to show up. Um, before I had these shows, I used to coach CrossFit classes um, or whatever odd job. And, and I thought I wanted to get out of that. But then when you have a lot of free time, you realize that it's like the worst thing for you. Yeah. You know, I've, I've kind of likened it um, to enablement. Maybe, I don't know if we all have that friend whose parents might have supported them, right? Yep. So you think, oh, they're so lucky. But then that friend might not really be going anywhere, right? Yep. And then I, I, I had that thought. I'm like, God, I, I just spent five days and what the heck did I do, you know? Yeah. So... Having a quick paycheck um, and a quick job can be enabling where you really have to have that self-fortitude to build a life, yeah. to build structure. And that's what I'm like really working on right now is, um, you know, maybe getting creative again. I Before all this, I was making web series with my friends and shooting pilots and um, I was out playing dive bars, doing music and all that. So I find myself like the nights where I go to bed just exhausted and and can't wait to curl up and get away from the world are my favorite nights if i'm making one little step forward then i'm in a good place but when i have too much time and and uh am afforded the uh, the luxury to be lazy not good it comes down to discipline man right i mean yeah. dude you are you are very blessed in the sense that you are a working actor right i mean people in your industry, uh, they could only pray to be on a, a returning series, four series deep, Netflix movie, you know, everything that you've done up, up to this point, right? Um, but, right, having a lot of free time, uh, it does come down to discipline. And you're so right what you said. As I remember being younger and looking at those friends where the parents would you know, they, they'd be wealthy and these kids would have every single thing under the sun and just everything fucking handed to them. And then flash forward, you know, 20 years later, um, uh, a lot of them are not doing in the best position, right? I, I, I kind of liken it to, um, not all, but a lot of times, you know, famous people's children, mm -hmm. right? When they are given every single thing in their life, uh, a lot of them find themselves down dark and dirty paths and, you know, are hooked to this drug and that drug and, you know, not achieving a lot in life when, you know, it's like shit, you've been hand, you know, the, the, the world and your fucking palms. Like, why wouldn't you want to excel to the highest depths, you know, especially having such a head start in life compared to most. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, that's not the case a lot of the yeah, times. I mean... <laughs> brain chemistry is crazy. So I have, it's like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around, but it's like the chemicals in our brain are controlling the happy and the sad. 
but the actions you take in your life often are controlling those chemicals. And, um, and so we're looking for that dopamine hit, right? Yes, you know, are. we're looking for that next thing that just makes you happy. That's why people are on their phone. You get go to, Oh, I got a like, I got a little bit of dopamine. Boom. And, um, a buddy just like two days ago referenced uh, Huberman. Uh, it's Andrew, yep, Andrew Huberman. Huberman. Yep. And his podcast. And he was like, you want to get those dopamine hits from the big hard tasks, not the easy, the freebies. Yep. You know, drugs and hookers, bad, you know, going and doing something challenging and, and making yourself work for it. Great. And it's weird. It's like so much more sustaining and, and then maybe your headspace is happier. So you, you can ride that wave of, of fulfillment for a longer time. But yeah, I, I see how people turn to drugs or or turn to these things just trying to feel anything because they're not forced to go work to do things that give them, you know, that that natural boost in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. I mean, it's so crazy, right? Because like, you know, I, at nighttime, and I know we've all done this, it's like you, you go on Instagram or social media and then the next thing you know, it's like two hours later and you're like, where the fuck did the night go? Like it's, it's one o'clock in the morning and what the fuck have I been doing? Just scrolling, swiping, scrolling, swiping, scrolling, swiping. And that's why it's so important to start your day. Uh, like for me, like I, I like to start my day doing the hardest thing possible, doing a hard fucking workout, uh, you know, getting in the sauna, ice bath, doing all of these things, right? Uh, obviously, my ice bath I just got and so it'll be set up very soon and I'll be getting into it and I'm already psyching myself out right because it's outside uh so it's like 42 degrees outside and a fucking 40 degree ice bath right but the way that you feel afterwards the way that you feel after fucking putting in a hard workout getting in the ice bath like it just makes the rest of your day so much easier and that's a long lasting you know dopamine fix if you will which it obviously does compared to that really quick dopamine hit that you get from scrolling through instagram yeah. where you just like what the fuck yeah. did i just do yeah the ice bath is uh i loved it when i came in i saw your your new setup yeah we talked about it before in the sauna and everything it's an interesting one it's become so popular a lot of people talking about the cold plunges and it's you know been i think made more um popular through all these podcasts from Rogan to Huberman to yeah. whoever you listen to. A lot of the gurus are doing it. Yes. But it is cool. So I started reading Wim Hof's book and yep. trying to learn the breathing. I want to get into all this even deeper, but I just converted a chest freezer into my my cold plunge. So what, what for, before you dive deeper, yeah. please explain what that exactly is, how okay. you did it. Yeah. So I want to I wanna get one of these, oh, what are they, Morosco's uh, or, yeah. or plunge, but they're like, Six, seven, eight thousand bucks. They're they're not cheap. So I will you pull to, that up? It's uh, called the Marescu yeah. uh, Cold Plunge. Just type that in. These things are cool. They look cool. They're and, fucking dope. Yeah. I think they're like fifteen, twenty grand, aren't oh they? Oh my god, I don't know. I I know that they're they're not cheap, but um, yeah, yeah. So I started well, a little bit more reasonable. I just moved into a house in June, which has been amazing. So it's finally getting out of rent controlled one bedroom apartment for ten years. Um, but I went to Costco and I got a chest freezer. Yeah, so there's. The Morosco. Yep. Yeah, it's um, $13,000. Woo, baby. Look at that one. 19 grand. Looks a lot cooler than mine. Fuck yeah. That one's sick though. Okay. I hey. haven't I haven't been in when it's like icy on the top yet. I'm working my way down one step at a time. Oh, hell yeah. Which I find works for me in everything. Little baby steps to get to that top of that mountain. Um, absolutely. I think it's like 55 degrees is 
but 47 is like the, I mean, obviously you get down to 37, that's, that's obviously better, but like 47 degrees, 55, I believe is considered like you're, you're 55 to 58, something like that. It's considered a cold plunge, okay. right? Uh, can you actually look that up real quick, Tyler? Um, and then I want, I want you to get that right. What is like, how cold does a cold plunge need to be, uh, to, you know, get the, the benefits from it? Um, but obviously, there's just such a, a a wide range of all of them. But I do like what you have done. So uh, I'm debating. Okay, so right here it says, uh, "What temperature is cold plunge?" Well, anything below 58 degrees Fahrenheit uh, is a cold plunge. The temperature process is between 45 degrees and 55. Okay, there that's we go. cool. So I started my first plunges at, I think, right around 55. Perfect. And then I've the coldest I've gone so far is 45. So It's fun. The um, huge difference. Huge. Huge. Difference. Your fucking huge. feet, bro. Yeah. yeah Your yeah. feet. <laughs> Woo, baby. Yeah, it was wild how when I got down to 45, then it's actually like painful. Yes, you know? but how you fucking feel when you get out. It's hours of, of that... Um, you know, after a hard workout, you know, you yeah. sit on the couch and everything's just exhausted, but it feels so good. It's wild how, how the cold plunge, it, it probably has to do with like, you have to do the deep breathing and you have to, you know, find your presence and just be calm. And, um, how long do you do? I'm just doing three minutes. That's right perfect. Now. Yeah. No, dude, that's yeah, it. That's, that's all. One minute to three minutes is perfect, bro. Yeah, I think they said, I don't know, maybe like 18 minutes a week in the cold plunge and like 57 11 in the, in the um 57 minutes in a in a sauna yeah are kind of like the thresholds you want to meet to where you start getting some of these real benefits the, the hermetic effects yeah, the, yeah will you actually look that up uh how many minutes a week should you be in a cold plunge to get the hermetic effect um i gotta put my glasses on no, that's one of my my favorite new words i'm starting to understand hormesis so yes if if you correct me if i'm wrong the way i understand it is um, it's kind of like basically you, when you stress your body and your body then has to adapt. So the hormetic effect of the cold is like, it makes your immune system and all your systems kind of pop into gear. Yep. And if you have short bursts of these, um, these stressors, then it's good. And your body uses that to kind of be in prime condition. But if you're chronically stressed, through you know inflammation from bad eating habits or whatever then that chronic stress weakens your it ha, it then goes the opposite direction it weakens your immune system yep and messes everything up 100 percent. I'm, I'm obsessed with all this oh, stuff right now yeah you definitely get it right so uh a cold plunge is when you fully submerge your body up to your neck below 50 now okay all that shit uh two to four sessions per week for 11 minutes long or for 11 minutes total, total time right not long that's a very long time uh to uh, cause measurable uh metabolic boost according to dr suzanne soberg but yeah definitely right i just like that now there's research coming out that it actually is a positive effect like i knew it made me feel great um from special specifically the sauna um but i was never quite sure like is this actually bad for me um, but yeah, all these studies that are coming out now, um, it's seem, a, yeah, it sounds like it's a really good thing. It's a game changer, right? I want to get back to, uh, though, how you built out oh, yeah. yours. Uh, so I got the chest freezer and got some like flex seal, right? And you just seal up every little, um, seam. And then I got a thermometer that goes in and you can set your range. So, once it gets down to 45, it cuts off and on. So it's like um, what's a, a thermostat yeah. kind of deal. 
Um, I want to get ozone for the to keep it clean. So yep. right now, I just I'll clean off, go in, and then shower off after. You know, so I don't know. My water might be a little, you know, a little wait. Scummy. Do you get uh, do you get in to the hot shower after? Um, I have been doing, yeah, yeah. I usually get in and then I'll go cold again at the end of my shower just because I want my body to like have to reheat again, but I'm still learning. So if that's the wrong Huberman, way to do it, uh, I believe it was Andrew Huberman says, uh, can you actually look this up too, Tyler? Thank you. Uh, how long should you wait, uh, until taking a shower after the cold plunge? Uh, because I believe he said two hours. Okay. Right. Because if you get in, then it, 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 decreases all of the effects of what it's actually doing to your body um so here we go i need to get get a fucking screen right here dude uh so number four be quick be quick to have a warm bath and warm shower after wait what contrast therapy wait really don't be quick don't be quick to have a warm bath or warm shower soon after your cold session. Contrast therapy has its benefits, but it's better to allow your body to raise its temperature naturally and gradually. The immediate switch from cold to hot and vice versa could also uh, pose a possible shock on the body. Yes. So I'm waiting. I promised myself I was going to make that big purchase and get myself a sauna um, as soon as I got the house. I haven't got that yet because I overthink everything and... Um, I believe you have to have a certain temperature in the sauna to get a lot of the great effects. I think it's like 185, 190. Yes. But the saunas I've been looking at are the infrared, yes. which I like the, you know, the full spectrum. And, you know, I think there's like gets down to your mitochondria and you have more cellular clean out, but those are only like 135 or something. Yeah. So, I'm so like, it's, I don't know what to do. Tell me. Okay. So right now I have an infrared sauna by sunlight. And obviously I was telling you I'm, I'm switching it out, right? Because... A, it's an outdoor, like like I have my setup outdoors, mm-hmm. right? Um, and A, it gets really fucking cold outside right now. So what happens is after an hour, it switches off. Even with an hour preheat and an hour switch off, right? To get it up to like 140 degrees, sometimes takes two, three hours. Unlike like your, your stone base sauna, um, which gets up to like, you know, 185, 200 degrees, right? You can leave that fucker on, mm-hmm. you know, preset it, preheat it. Um and I just, although, right, I I do enjoy it, I, it doesn't get hot enough. Yeah. I want it to get fucking hotter, right? Because the whole point is, right, you don't want it like, it, right, exactly. It's nice to get in there and, you know, you're sweating and all this shit, right? But I like it, right? And this is really where it kicks in with the heat shock proteins is where every single thing in your body is telling you to get the fuck out, mm-hmm. Right. That's where you want to be, right? And that is not happening. Although I tend to sweat more in an infrared-based sauna, Mm -hmm. right? My body's fight-or-flight mechanism is not going off. Uh, Very, very rarely does Mm -hmm. that that happen. And to get it up to that 150, 160, 165, it's very hard, Mm -hmm. right? And I've just had a lot of issues uh, dealing with sunlight and, and all of the, not saying that they're bad saunas because they do get great reviews, but they, they do state that it's good for outdoors. Well, no, like if you're going to get one, keep it indoors for the infrared saunas, but I am, I am switching out. I've just had a lot of issues with the shipping, uh, because when they ship the sauna both fucking times, it's been shipped damaged. 
Ugh. Right. So they've sent me. This yeah. is my second one. Because they they're pretty back ordered. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sunlighten is actually really fucking good because um, they have their own factory and everything like that. Um, and it's high quality stuff, dude. And it's only it's like the like if you went in there, there's a screen in there. It runs off Android. You can watch Netflix yeah, and all so that sweet. shit. They're really fucking awesome, and they are expensive. But uh, I am switching to that more classic, uh, you know, stone based sauna that can get really freaking hot. And that's what you want, right? I want, I want them both. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, and I'm sure. Uh, there, there's, I, there are benefits to the infrared, right? That's, oh, that's, for sure. That's what, so I'm for like, sure. We pull that up, right? I'm, benefits I'm, of infrared uh, sauna. Are, you, are they going to let you send it back or like, how does that work? Okay, right? well, you so. Be able to return it? Well, that's the thing. They, they fucking better. Uh, reason being is not, I'm not returning it because I don't like it. Mm-hmm. The first time that it got shipped to me, it was shipped damaged, mm-hmm. right? Then they sent me a brand new one two weeks ago, and a forklift went right through the fucking box, oh and it was damaged again. Ugh. And although they're telling me that they'll ship it to me without stopping at any places, I'm done. Like, mm-hmm. dude, you guys have already shipped me two damaged. I know it's not their personal fault, but it's just time to move on. Yeah. Wipe my hands and, and move on. So, I mean, the, it's a great sauna. Like, if anyone's looking for an infrared-based sauna, Sunlighten, as long as you have the space to keep it indoors, uh, it's by far the You're best just one. Because outdoors, it's it, just, it, it loses its heat or something? Yeah, okay. it's just because it's so cold outside, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. so to, to get up to that level is, is a lot more challenging, especially with that hour cutoff switch, right? Because... You can set it to preheat for an hour, but then it stays on for an hour, but it still doesn't get hot enough. In the summertime, right, when it was just warmer, the motherfucker was getting up to 160, which was great. But uh, let's just check this out. So um, so what does infrared, infrared sauna do to your body? Many studies have looked at using infrared saunas in the treatment of long-lasting health problems and found some proof that saunas may help. That's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> some proof... Condition studies include high blood pressure, heart failure, dementia, Alzheimer's, headache, type 2, diabetes, and arthritis. The thing is, is that most of the studies have been off of, you know, stone-based saunas. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, it's the, good to know. the bit, you know, because, you know, out in Finland and everything like that, they all have stone-based saunas. Mm-hmm. So, the, the the big studies that they've all done has been off of stone. Yeah. And, and I know they are running some, they are running studies now on infrared, but it just doesn't, at least the you know, mine doesn't get hot enough uh, to where where I, I I really really want that. But I love those ones. I I, I don't I people talk about a barrel sauna, and I'm not even sure. But the ones that ha- yeah, the big massive barrel they just look cool no that's know. what i'm getting yeah, i'm that, getting a barrel i'm okay. getting but just a two-person one right because yeah. i only have a, a specific amount of area to to keep it in um nice. but yeah definitely you know for me having multiple sclerosis right uh you know putting your my my body is constantly in this state of like uh, just a lot of stress, right? You know, just all the pain and everything like that that I have to deal with, right? But putting myself through the sauna, like I have this protocol, right? Obviously, the cold plunge is not set up yet, but I'll do the cold plunge in the morning, mm-hmm. right? And then I get in the sauna before bed, mm. right? Uh, and, and, and and for me, like that is, you know, anytime, because I've taken plenty of ice baths in my life, you know, uh, and when I get out, I feel like a fucking Greek god, man. It's amazing. The inflammation that it just decreases, and I just feel so good inside, and I'm just ready to tackle the world. And then the sauna at nighttime is fantastic because it gets your fucking body ready for sleep, right? Yeah. It, it it stimulates um, 
the melatonin in your body and it and i absolutely love it but when i get out of the sauna right i do take a hot shower and then i just get yeah. really good sleep oh, you know like, like a baby yeah. yeah i can't wait um yeah, I've gotten into, so I, I didn't, yeah, I, I had seen something you posted about the multiple sclerosis, yeah. um, which is, you know, that's a wild challenge and, and I'm, you know, curious about that journey. Um, but I've gotten into, you know, I've always been interested in nutrition as well. Yeah. Um, and when I got into CrossFit years ago and it was the paleo diet and that's when I started learning about infl- inflammation and leaky gut and all these things. And the guy that I'm um, kind of, who I would like, if I could, if I had the dedication and I'm trying to get back there, um, is uh, Paul Saladino. Uh, Dude, I love Paul Saladino. Carnivore Code. Yep, Um, Carnivore MD, man. So I got his book and I'm reading it. So basically this guy um, was a a doctor and, and the way he says it is like, you know, plants actually because they don't have teeth and plant claws, defense chemicals they have all these plant defense chemicals and maybe some people would say that those chemicals are again like a hormetic effect um i'm not really sure but his prescription would be organs that's where all the most yep. nutrient you know filled foods are organs um and red meat which yep. is so funny because it's literally the opposite of what a lot of people would think 100 um, percent. so organs meat he is now added fruit Yep. Um, because that would be the part of the plant that they, you know, they want you to eat. Nature wants you to eat, spread the seeds, um, raw or, you know, specific kind of honey and then raw dairy. Yeah. Um, so that's, if, if I get really strict, that's kind of what I'm, I've been reading about and what seems to make the most sense to me. I bought these, uh, organ pills. So having gotten into, you know, liver King eating the liver and, and all that yet, but I did, um, a couple months ago, start getting the de- uh, de- desiccated organs. So that's like my new vitamin in the morning, take yeah. my desiccated organs. Um, but yeah, it's so interesting. You learn about like with all these specific foods that irritate your gut and then your, I believe your small intestine becomes perforated mm-hmm. and then basically you're poisoning your whole system because it, you leak your, your toxins into your bloodstream, which then go to your brain and affects the whole system. So I can see how this would be of major interest to you with, cause isn't, is MS like a, uh, um, an autoimmune type thing? Yeah, it's, well, it's more of a, it's an, it's an autoimmune, but it's a neurological disease. Okay. Right. Um, so, but definitely, what were you gonna say? Well, I was going to say, so reducing as much inflammation, a hundred percent seems like it would be one of the best things you could do. A hundred percent, a hundred percent for sure. Um, I know, for me, because I follow Paul, Paul Saladino, right? Um, and I and I also follow Dr. Terry Walls. Um, that is why I've completely, dude, I've completely changed so many things about my life uh, since I've gotten the diagnosis. That's why I don't drink anymore. Um, like, fucking dude, alcohol. Whole nother level of discipline. Whole nother level of discipline. You know, last podcast we did, we were drinking, taking shots, all that shit, right? (laughs) And, uh, and the thing is, is that the, the, the flare ups that I get from alcohol, certain foods, lack of sleep, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wish it upon my fucking worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and the day to day pain and struggles is it, I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy, but when my sleep is fucking dialed in, right? I'm eating super clean. I'm not like full carnivore, right? But I, I would say my diet is paleo for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, you know, sugar, gluten, all that shit fucking out the window. I'm doing my best, right? To like, I don't, I don't eat gluten at all. Sugar can be fucking challenging at times, right? Uh, but like, it's not like I'm gorging down on candy or things like that anymore. Um, but uh, like, meats is you know the main focus of of my food for sure. Um, fruits would be second, and then some veggies, absolutely. Uh, and when I have all of those things dialed in. I mean, it's like if, if my baseline, which would be your fucking worst, most people's worst day, right, uh, is if when like that is like here, if I get everything dialed in, that's like here, right? But when I fall off track, it just, dude, I'm like a fucking wreck. And I know like I, I'm really starting to like understand like if i take this this is going to happen if i don't do this this is going to happen right yeah. and i'm taking the route where i don't want to get on uh westernized pharmaceuticals because i don't believe that is uh the answer although for some it is for sure yeah, right and the symptoms right and the problem and, kind uh, of deal a hundred percent right and um and this is not like you know doctor advice i'm not a fucking doctor i'm just doing what's best for me um but really understanding like what I put into my body, how it's going to make me feel. That's why like working out cold plunge sauna, uh, very strict diet, no more alcohol, uh, a little bit of fucking, like I don't really smoke that much weed any fucking more. Right. If it is, it's usually CBD flour. Um, like these core things, right? And then the next step for me is uh, 2023. I'm going to be going down to Panama to the Stem Cell Institute. I was just about to get uh, yeah, a hundred percent, right? Because um, I, although like I, I go to a neurologist and everything like that, and like I've you know get MRI, spinal they, they tap, all that shit. They don't know. Well, the thing is, right, is that I just use him as uh, just to make sure like where I'm at with, you know, uh, with, with my disease, right. Making sure that it's not progressing right now. I have relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis. So doing everything in my power to keep it from, uh, you know, progressing. And so even he says, um, you know, stem cells, right. Um, they're just as good as the best medicine out there. Right. The difference is, is that the best medicine out there has a huge list of fucking, uh, you know, side effects yeah. where stem cells uh, do not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thing is, what's so fucking crazy in America is that the top tier medicine for MS can cost anywhere from one hundred fifty to two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Oh my gosh! A round of stem cells at the Stem Cell Institute for MS related issues. It's a five day protocol. It's twenty five grand. Mm-hmm. Granted, that's out of pocket, right? Yeah. But the 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 numbers don't lie. How much it's helping people, uh, and it's good for about uh, a year to three years, right? And not yeah. everyone has twenty five grand to spend every year to three years, right? But you would think that insurance companies would say, "Well, let's fucking start looking at this because this is a lot cheaper." And and the thing is, is that the 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 stuff that they're getting is from an fda you know facility in in colorado i believe yeah right so it's like i, I just you, don't understand did you listen recently uh he's he's been doing some podcasts the ways to well guy well yeah absolutely I yeah forget his name yeah um uh, uh we look up the the owner of ways to well they're based out of austin texas was, that one opened my brain like i was already kind of curious about a lot of this uh regenerative or you know um 
alternative medicine, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of been doing some research on it. I've asked doctors about it and they'll even admit, you know, like when I go to just my you know normal checkup, he's like, dude, peptides and stem that's cells, it, that's legit. But I, he's, he had says I, I'm not trained in it. And then they also say, and it's really expensive. It's expensive and you have to pay out of the pot. Yeah. Brigham, Brigham, uh, Brigham Bueller. And uh, is a co-founder of Ways to Well, sister company, so Revive RX Pharmacy. Yeah, this guy was a pharmaceutical rep. Yeah, uh, right out of school with Eli Lilly, and you know was was a Cialis was his drug. But anyways, his story is amazing. He, he, yeah, amazing story, and he opened up my brain or my you know where I saw so the all the big five insurance companies are running the whole deal. And so to go and get really in depth blood labs that could really show you what's going on and help you know you not get sick or, or, you know, have a better picture of what's really going on. The farm or the insurance companies just won't even cover it. So yeah. you're getting labs that barely show you any picture of what's happening. And it's just such a crazy system. And, and you see how they're in bed with themselves in all these different ways. Um, a book that I'm reading right now that I don't know if you've heard of, it's called life Force. life force by yeah. Tony Robbins. Yeah. It's so funny that you said that, right? Because I've, uh, I, the thing is, being based in California, uh, ways to well, I I've reached out to them a couple of times because, um, uh, you know, for me, I'm trying to make my body as strong as possible. So I was on HGH for 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 a good while, and I'm either going to go with which is human growth hormone mm-hmm. and uh, testosterone, right, uh, replacement, right, and therapy TRT. Uh, so I was either going to go to ways to wells. Um, or life force, right? Which is like Florida. Yeah. Well, life Fort force. Yeah, a- absolutely. But you know, they can do it all through teledoc now. Right. I, I paid the 350 bucks to get my blood labs through after reading life force. Um, and I haven't gone yet. So, but, but I can get that done here at any yeah. lab in California. So I'm on that. I'm really curious about my hormonal balance because it's like testosterone. We all know steroids and all that, but it's yeah. crazy because it's one of the, the, best things in the world 100 percent. so uh I, you know i've my brother has been through through some health things and and you know i kind of thought oh, testosterone is evil and that you know hurt his heart but then when you start to do your research if your testosterone levels are too low yes that's when that also contributes to you know heart disease and yep. and dementia and all these things so it's just so interesting. Did you get your testosterone levels checked? Yeah. So, um, well, my testosterone levels were at three twenty five, right? So that's kind of on the low. No, end. it's definitely okay. definitely on the low side. And so they I want was you like eight hundred, maybe or something. What, what? I want you to be like 800. yeah, eight hundred, right? And I was taking Pregnol. Uh, reason I was taking Pregnol is because uh, you know they say that if you take testosterone before you have kids, right, it can lower your sperm count, right? Uh, but Pregnol is a fertility drug that can then increase your testosterone. Right. Um, but I'm not going to the place that I was going cause I, I was on pregnant and, um, Samoralin, which is human That's growth. Hormone. Yeah. And so, uh, but now I'm looking for, cause I, I want to get, so the place that I was going to does the full blood lab and everything like that. Right. But I want to, I want to kind of like branch out more into like ways to wells or life force. Right. Yeah. But what's also great is that they do, um, uh, optimization for women as well. Well, right? another thing I, I learned is that testosterone is a really positive uh, hormone for women as well. And really the estrogen becomes one of the big problems, but that's the deal with the TRT when you're getting your, your testosterone. If you don't then keep, so there are issues like you got to keep the 
your, all your levels in check. But I, I was surprised to learn recently that testosterone can have really positive effects on women as well. Yeah, and they, well, and they're just, you know, for for a long time it was like optimization for men, but they're really starting to see that they can help women, like especially through like menopause or just different levels that they're lower and that they can boost it and it can just change the way you know male and females uh live their day-to-day life mm-hmm. right and so like we really need to be diving deeper into these things unfortunately uh, so like insurance companies are not covering it and that's why you have to pay out of pocket and you know obviously people are not all you know i think the average um, bank account in america is like 400 dollars, right yeah. um so like people don't uh, most people don't have the money to be able to cover these types of things. Um, but, but if you are, if you are, if you, if you, you know, have the financial fe- feasibility to do these things, it's really important to look into it. Right. And, yeah. and to be able to get your blood check. It's like so fucking weird that we get a physical once a year. Right. It's like, what the fuck, man? It's like, but, but, and then when you do get a physical, they're, it's you know, just like they're knocking on your knee and they're looking up your nose and, and doing very basic blood labs. So if, if we're going to do a physical once a year, at least do a deep dive, right? Yeah. But we should be doing it every three months. You yeah. know, it's like we get our oil change, we get our car checked out it's more true. than we do the human body. Yeah. Right. And it's like, if we did this on a regular basis, um, the, 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 the levels of disease and heart issues and just so many other things would decrease and insurance companies would then pay less money, but they always wait until like you're at the end of the fucking road and you need the, you know, the kitchen sink thrown at you. It's hard to wrap my head around that. Like if there are better solutions out there, why they're not being explored. And then I I think it was, um, Brigham Brigham maybe who is saying essentially they kind of count on you, your insurance lapsing and then you end up it's more likely with the numbers that you'll end up being on somebody else's dime of course that makes sense yeah so yeah like well most people your, change your job policy, every two years yeah you're oh that's what it was yeah so you change your job you're on a new insurance policy and instead of really trying to get you healthy they're just hoping that by the time you really need all this uh expensive health care you're with somebody else I, yes I, so. no that's exactly it you know a really good podcast to listen to is uh brigham's podcast on joe the joe rogan that's experience, where I heard right him, yeah. yeah and it's just really eye-opening to to understand uh everything that's going on in the pharmaceutical space especially because he was on that side right you yeah. know and and now he's created this amazing company that is truly helping people, um, you know, through the means of like, you know, functional medicine and, and, and regenerative care. Uh, Begging and, my mom to give it a shot. She's, you know, got just some of the things that come along, but she, you know, sleep issues that they can't figure out and neurological things now that they can't figure out like tasering in her legs and, and um, you know, restless leg and, and just, a, you know, these weird things. But I'm like, I don't know. I'm still learning, mom. But like, yeah. please open your brain. And it's so hard for people to get away from the traditional medicine or, or if, you know, a lot of these things, you know, like the peptides, for instance, yeah. you've got to give yourself a shot. Um, but it's so easy. Times a week. It's easy, but that scares people away. And of course. Think, oh, drugs and, and you know, steroids. or it, So it's just how, you know... Well, we've How just, do we get more people to really trust this, and then and then and then with the the the, the stem cells, the way I understand it is like the best ones are um, 
from the not the umbilical cord. Um, yeah, and the what's around a baby? Yeah, uh, it's the uh, why am I drawing a blank? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, um, the placenta. Placenta. Yeah. Placental. So you yeah. can get stem cells in the United States, but I guess if you it's, want the placental yes. stem cells, that's why people go to other countries. Uh, other countries, yeah, because the the stem cells that we're traditionally giving in the states is like from the fat tissue. I mean, right? These are literally like rebuilding and healing things that people doctors thought could never be healed yeah. could never be rebuilt i mean i'd be curious you know where you feel like you might be you know where you might your journey might take you with ms and like do you is there is this are is it a chronic thing like i know it's supposed to be right yeah do you no. have hope that this is something that you know with with a lot of care and and you know trying these new kind of things that it could be something that you beat I don't know beat per se at this current moment in yeah. time, right? But living a long life, yes, because the average uh, female with MS dies seven years early, the average male 11 years early, right? Um, but with all of these new emerging things like stem cells, right? Uh, it could be a game changer, yeah. right? And it is a game changer for it's a exciting, lot man. of people, for a lot of people. Um, the thing is, right, financial feasibility. And I just know that not everyone... Uh, you know, has that $25,000 to spend yeah. something, you know, that's, that's not even a hundred percent. Right. But it's got very high, high rates of success. Um, it, it can be, it can be scary. And then having to spend that, you know, once a year, once every other year, once every three years, right. Could, could be a lot, but it's just, you know, for me, it's like, but it makes, God, there's just so many benefits. Yeah, again, uh, some people just can't afford it. And, no, and, but if insurance companies would take care of it, it would be a fucking game changer. And and it doesn't just heal that shoulder injury. Like, it seems like it's a whole system reboot. And, like, yes. you know, so if, if you're getting your whole system healing up and you're, and again, yeah, maybe we don't live forever, but if I can live to 100 but also at 90 still be going and, and rocking uh, it running and, yeah. and having fun and, and, and feeling good in my body. That's, that's just, that's that it. gets me excited. That's it. Man, yeah. So. And then, so yeah, I'm very excited for the future. Right. And, but that's why I'm not taking these, uh, this westernized medicine approach. Right. Because, uh, there's just a lot of issues and side effects with it. Right. And in a so weird way, Brock, and I, and I don't mean to sound ignorant when I say this, but like, there is there maybe there's some gift in that like it forced you to like look at your whole you know 100%. health and your body and the way you live differently and while it's a challenge you end up having an even better life because um because it made you focus and then learn all these you know cool things and then the amount of people that you're going to be able to help as well yes i love that aspect it seems like you're trying to start you know kind of um spreading a message and trying yeah. to help help other people as well right yeah that's that's definitely it man and just sharing my own story and uh you know going through this, my my own experience right but i am very very hopeful for the for, for the future and yeah it is um you know the path that i was going on before this mm -hmm. right um was definitely a a, a dark path mm -hmm. um and so yeah although it was Something that I believe that I've had for a very long time, actually, since I've been younger, um, it could be a blessing in disguise, yeah. you know, and that's the only way I can look at it. It's yeah. literally the only way I can look at it. Right. And all I can do is just keep on fucking moving forward. And I am fortunate that I am in the position that I that I'm that I'm that I'm in. Right. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people that are going through this are not in, in the same position. And um, 
you know, as much of a mindset it is, it's also a, a financial thing too, mm-hmm. right? But I, I am very hopeful in the future that, you know, the costs come down. And as a country, we start to look at these other options. And, and I believe that stem cells have such a vital role in being able to uh, assist people with all different things, but especially MS for sure. Yeah, if I... If and when I have kids, you better believe uh, I'm keeping that. Uh, oh, for sure. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the placenta. Yeah, I'm keeping that placenta. Yeah, yeah, you know, but I'm putting I, it on ice. I think it's like two grand a year. That's but yeah, it's that, worth it, man. That's what I, I heard. That you know, it's a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah. To, you know, to basically keep it in cryo frozen or whatever. But um, it's a building box God, of life, it's man. So interesting. I read these books and um, I feel so. Um, energized and it, yeah. just, it just gets me pumped up. So um, it's cool. It seems like so many more people are being opened up. And another great, exciting thing about podcasts, um, this whole new source of education. Oh my God. That, that we're being, um, you know, gifted. Uh, absolutely, man. I mean, podcasting has definitely changed my entire life. I mean, listening to the Joe Rogan experience, you know, before I started becoming an avid listener, um, you know, I was like 200 fucking pounds. I was getting drunk every night. I was, you know, That's just wild. eating like shit. Uh, I look at pictures of myself back then. I had this fucking beer belly and my face was <laughs> all much lighter. And, um, and then I, I really just started looking at my health. This is before the MS and all that. Back then, they thought I had fibromyalgia, and um, and you know I I was not taking my health seriously, mm-hmm. and uh, and and through listening to Rogan and uh, you know him bringing on all these different guests and you know just constantly drilling in the importance of you know taking care of your own body, um, yeah. it's just opened up my eyes and so many other people's eyes, right? And so I just think it's really important that it doesn't matter if you have MS or chronic illness or not, right? To really grab a hold of your life and start today. Today's the day. Don't say, oh, I'm going to fucking start, you know, on this diet or this thing or that, and, you know, the new year. Fuck that. If you say that, 99% chance you are not going to do it. Totally. Start tomorrow. Start tomorrow. Right? right. Baby I'm, steps, baby. I'm calling you tomorrow because, look, I do a lot of things. Uh, I have a lot of discipline in a lot of ways that I'm proud of, and it's gotten me to where I am, and I'm grateful for my athletic background for that and just, like, you know, um, wanting to be the best I can be and being competitive, but I've I've wrestled with that myself where it's just once you get off track and you're not in, in some sort of structured um, lifestyle, the habits build, the bad habits build quickly. And so I've, I've been fighting to get back into like, um, a routine with really healthy rituals. And yes. you know, I started my wake up and get my sunshine and walk outside. But, um, but that's a great message, man. I'm not going to wait for next Monday. No. Like tomorrow's the day I'm going to take what I can control into my own hands. For me, it's a, I need to build systems, you know, like yeah. if, if you have all these cool pieces of, um, information, they float around in my head and sometimes that prevents me from getting started because it seems like such a mountain, but I'm going to go right, write it down, put it in front of me. And if I'm not perfect tomorrow, okay, I'm not perfect tomorrow, but I can get on that path. And then, um, I was actually journaling about this yesterday where it's like in my brain right now, it's hard to get started with like my getting back into my fitness routine, yeah. which always makes me feel great. Cause I'm like, Oh, until I'm two months from now, when I feel like I'm at my best again, um, I'm not going to feel good. So it's hard to get started, but it's like, no dude, all those little steps make you feel as good as you're going to feel at that end goal because you know where you're going. And 
point being is just don't let the mountain stop you from starting the little steps because those little steps very quickly can get you into this really great space and then be a positive energy for the people around you and hundred percent, you know, be the best you can be. And, and so I'm going, you know, definitely take, take this conversation to heart and uh, I'll text you tomorrow, tomorrow yes. morning. I'm going to, whatever the ritual is, I'm going to commit to it and I'm not going to plug right into sports center or whatever crap I watch in the morning. And, yeah. And um, yeah. And just and give myself that gift because it's it's amazing how great you feel when you do oh a hundred percent tough things. But. It's just baby steps, man. It's mm-hmm. just it's just it's just fucking doing it. And I have this uh, this acronym that I say to myself all the time: DBAB. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> Don't be a bitch. It's written down in my freaking bathroom in my shower, right? Um, it, it says "Don't be a bitch," and then my wife wrote "Be a book of the boo." It's a little like. I, we we go <laughs> and we say this little thing and it, it. yeah but uh but it's just kind of a little funny thing but it's just like I, I say it all the time it's like don't be a bitch it's like even on my fucking worst day man it's just like push forward right mm-hmm. because at, at the end of the day i'm in control of my own life Top and if love. i'm exactly and if i'm just gonna let this 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 negative talk and these negative thoughts and just because i feel like shit today i don't want to work out or i don't want to get in the sun or i don't want to fucking do this just don't be a bitch just fucking do it because once you're done with it you're done with it and you're gonna feel so much better and so much proud of more proud of yourself and it's like i don't know i've just been able to now build these systems in my life where I never had that. But once you build it, it's just like, there's no other fucking way. I need a therapist like you. I've done, I've done a little bit of therapy, not too much, but I can see where there's value. But my one issue with the the one therapist I had seen was that she was always trying to like, make me be nicer to myself. I get that. Right. But I like, don't be a bitch. Yes. That's what I respond to. It's like, okay, yes, I don't need to beat myself up for the ways I'm not perfect, but I also, I enjoy i want somebody to say i want somebody to, to give me the message that yeah way. like let's do this come on be the best you can be S- step it up yeah so there's a balance she would always say you know say you could do it rather than you should and i'm and and it just i get the message that she was trying to give me but um but no i i may and again maybe it's the the team athlete culture yeah. or whatever or I'm, maybe i'm just a dude but i want i want that tough love and i i, I need to be tough on myself sometimes a hundred percent um and and then it, it yeah it feels good it, it feels good to um yeah don't be a bitch and then yeah when you're not a bitch it feels real good fuck yeah and it's not i should or could it's like no fuck that i'm going to I'm, do it yeah there you i'm go. going to do it you know? yeah. get the fuck off that couch you fat fucking piece of shit and just push yeah. forward and that's what i tell myself you know this it's literally all i can and yeah man it's like I, I i talk to myself like that and i don't know for me like especially when it comes to therapy right i like seeing a dude right because i think it's more relatable right nothing against female therapists and some guys like female therapists and that's that's totally fine but, uh, you know, for me talking to, to another guy, um, he, he gets it a little bit more, the I, testosterone flowing through our blood. And I forgot know. actually you, um, rep referred me to your guy Yep, and he was, he was all booked, man. Yeah. It's tough to find a good, yeah. a good therapist nowadays. But I was thinking that myself, I was like, um, maybe just having somebody cause at the end of the day, guys, girls, whatever you are, we, we, um, we filter the world differently. Of course. Maybe it, maybe it would be interesting to, to talk to somebody who just, um, you know, 
had the same goggles on as I do. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Brandon Gresky. That. Yeah, he uh, he's definitely got booked. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of crazy to see how much he's uh, blown up, and I'm I'm really fucking proud of him. And he helped me out through some of my darkest periods in my life, and uh, he he got me over some pretty dark shit. And yeah, I used to see him on a weekly basis, but now I just see him once a month, and. Nice. Um, and, you know, but it's, it's, it's important to be able to, you know, talk to someone, but at the same time, you know, we don't always need to be, uh, polite and nice to ourselves. Obviously you don't want to fucking treat yourself like an asshole and say I'm the worst piece of shit ever. But sometimes it's, you know, I think it's healthy. I don't want to give myself any more outs. I don't want to give myself excuses because at the end of the day, um, being nice to myself or, or just giving, letting myself off the hook doesn't end up making me feel better. It ends up just elongating my suffering. Yes. You know, yes. so like, even if it's going to be hard, if, if I have to say something mean to myself to get myself, whatever it takes to get action steps going, I'm down with, you know, a hundred percent, man. Yeah. It, I, otherwise it just becomes like uh, you you can just lay in it and, and the inertia just keeps you still. And, uh, no, it doesn't work for me, man. I need somebody to whoop my butt. Fuck. Yeah, um, man. Whoop my own butt if I got to, but I'd rather somebody, I'd rather somebody kick my ass and f- then I'd feel better the rest of my life from that one beating rather than somebody massaging me the whole time. But I live in, you know, live in agony. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the culture we live in today, right? It's like everyone gets a participation <laughs> trophy and you know, it's just like a PC culture. And it's like, no, sometimes we got to be fucking hard on ourselves. And sometimes we need someone, uh, you know, not saying that life is perfect because life is not perfect and life is not made of, you know, sugar and sweet and everything nice. No, life is bumpy and moldy and beautiful and, and, and strange and, and, and crazy and chaotic and amazing and all of these things wrapped into one. And that is called reality. There you go. Right. I love that. So as we start to wrap this shit up, dude, I want to know what is, what's, what's next for you, man? What, what the fuck is going on for you next uh well i believe we will be shooting another season of the oval yeah um pretty sure that'll happen in the springtime um my i have some some friends who are producing a film right now that i am believe that i will be a part of in december so we'll see um but in the meantime yeah just trying to to be the best version of myself and um uh, building, building. We got uh, Jazz Man's Blues on Netflix. Yeah, check it out. Tuesday nights, nine p.m. on BET. The Oval airs. Um, and then beyond that, it's like I said, man. It's just everything we've been talking about. Trying to be the best I can. And then I'm also trying to find that new um, art form, the something each day to wake up for. And um, there's a lot of lot of potentials, whether that's making music or or what have you. But I'm kind of in a seeking mode right now, so it's it's kind of cool to have this conversation. It helps me to, you know, to remind me and push me to to go make that leap, whatever it might be. I, even if I jump into something that ends up not being my my answer, um, I'd rather be in something rather than nothing. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Just keep on fucking pushing forward. Yeah. And never give up. And don't be a bitch. Don't be a bitch. Where can people find you on that social media? Uh, just, yeah, Instagram at Brad Benedict, uh, Facebook, if that's still a thing, that's <laughs> the Brad Benedict, but, uh, I'm not the best at social media, but yeah, if, if you want to reach out, Instagram's probably the best way. All right. All right, man. All right. Thank you so much, all right, brother. All right. All right. Thank ah! you. <laughs>
Ah, motherfucker. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, people. Have a wonderful night. Smooches. Peace. Boom. That's how it's done, ladies and gentlemen.